Thank you, Pastor Linnell, Pastor John Miller, for 20 years of, of inviting us to your church, supporting the work in Mexico. Your Pastor Linnell has a standing invitation to preach in a church probably bigger than you've ever been in. Seats from 3,500 to 4,000. Every time I talk to the pastor in Mexico, he says, when can she come again? She's an incredible speaker. Knows very little about flying. Somebody clipped her wings. She tried to fly a couple of weeks ago in Mexico. Looked like she had just finished about five rounds with Muhammad Ali. Never have I seen such big and such black eyes. And I said in the first, serv in the, in the first service today, and if she'll pick that little flip of hair up that covers something under it, it looks like a railroad track. She had a horrible fall in Mexico. And most people would have said, that's it, sign from God, and walked away. But she didn't. She preached the gospel to those Indians that God had sent her to. I marvel at the strength of your pastor. I want to say this this morning. Thank God I have lots of time. I think I heard the pastor say, go to one if you want to. Everybody else will probably already be at the restaurant, but you can stay here and preach if you want to. I think I heard him. I'm not sure. But I said this morning, I preached from one end of Mexico to the other, from one side to the other, and in many areas in the U.S. I've heard some fabulous singers. Never heard one just like Pastor John Miller. I don't know really how good he sings, but I don't think he's another John Denver. I listened to him last night for about an hour. Beautiful voice. I don't know how good a preacher he is, really. I don't know, but I've ever heard maybe once or twice here visiting you. He's not Billy Graham, but I'm going to tell you, in all of my travels, I have never known a better pastor than John and Linnell Miller. Give me a good pastor or give me a good preacher, I'll take the pastor every day. Give me a good singer or a good pastor, I'll take the pastor every day. Thank you, Pastor John, Pastor Linnell, for doing an incredible job at Church on the Rock. If you will turn to the book of 2 Kings, allow me to preach. Young people, there's a reason I had you sit right in front of me. This message is for you. If this message can save your life, 
from the storms of life, it will be worth you coming forward and listening to the anointed spirit, not of Larry, but of God that loves you. Let us read. Let me go over to the sixth chapter just a moment. Now it came about after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, gathered all of his army and went up and besieged the city of Samaria. There was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and a fourth of a cab of doves of doves dung for five shekels of silver. It was a big storm for Samaria. A lot of grief, a, a lot of dying inside the walls of Samaria, inside that city. They were eating donkey's heads. They were eating the droppings of the pigeons. A tough time for Samaria. There are tough times in life. Tough times. They even started eating little babies in the walls of that city. Starving to death. Two ladies got together. They said, let us eat your boy today, your child. So they cooked him and ate him. Tomorrow we will eat my child. But she hid him. You want to read the story? Go back and read it in the book of Kings. But there's another part of that story. On the outside of the wall of Samaria... There were four men who were also in the storm of their life. They were sitting there and talking one with another. They said, why sit we here until we die? If we go into the city, there's a famine there, we will die. If we sit here, do nothing, we will die. And instead they went to the enemy that had besieged the city. And they found that God had already been there. And the enemy had fled. Leaving behind all of their provisions. Which was, was salvation for those four lepers. But also the gates of the city of Samaria were open. And they went out. And there was enough provision to break the famine in the city of Samaria. Two words that I want you to remember today. One is storms. The other is why. I'll mention those several times in my message. Storms and why sit ye here until you die. I believe that I'm qualified to preach this message. I've known many storms in my life. I've endured many storms in my life. But I've come through every storm 
that I've faced in my life. I was a little boy, young kid. My dad put all of the family in a flat bottom boat at the head of the Atchafalaya River in South Louisiana. At that time, the deepest and most violent river in North America. It has since been down many rivers and that fed into it and it's calmed down. But at that time it was a vicious river. My dad put us all on a flat bottom boat and we went 25 miles down that river and pulled into the bank and pitched a tent. Pastor said, I have compassion for the poor. You know why? I be one. I grew up a poor man. I know the strain and the hurts and the pain of being poor. So I've given my life to ease the pain and the hurt of others who are poor. This morning, I had my breakfast at the holiday at the Hampton Inn. As usual, I reached for my wallet to give the cook a tip. I had one dollar, and then I had a hundred dollar bill. And I said to the young lady, it embarrasses me that I have no more than this to give to you. But I said, I will be back. I go upstairs, I said, Mary Lou, that's who I've been married to for 57 years. I said, Mary Lou, do you have any money? I want to give a tip to the cook. She said, I don't have any small bills. I said, that's not what I'm looking for. I took a $20 bill for my wife. It was stretched about that long before it ever came out of her hand, but I had one end of it, she had the other. And I took it down, and I said, have a good Christmas, Jackie. I love the hardworking poor people. I remember we pitched a tent on the side of the river, of the Chafalai River, and we lived in a tent. Mom and dad, at that time, eight kids. I remember the first house that we built along the side of that river in the woods. It was a wonderful house. It was 20 foot long and 12 foot wide. Two rooms. The living room with mom and dad's bed in it wood-burning heater, the bedroom where two beds were and eight children slept in those two beds, four in each bed. We were poor. We faced many storms. I picked cotton with my mom, mother of all of those children, later with two more. I picked cotton with my mom side by side on the road. She's on one side and I'm on the other. She's pulling a big, long, white cotton sack. And she had made me a little 
cotton out of a flour sack, a little small one I had on my shoulder. I put the cotton as I picked it in my little sack until it got full, I dumped it in her little sack. I know what it's like to be poor, and I know what it's like to face storms. I was in the Usumacinta River between Mexico and Guatemala when the Guatemalan soldiers fired on me. I was arrested in Cuba, brought before the council of 11 military men in one room, all of them smoking cigars, condemning me. I know what it's like to be in a storm. I borrowed a shed in Atoyak, where we built a beautiful church and medical facility. But I lived in a shed over a dump. Now, when you have a dump in Mexico, it's not like the dumps you have here where you have nice stuff that you can kind of look at. This is a Mexican dump. Smelled horrible. Rats came at night and would run across the open rafters of that shed that I borrowed. I know what it's like to be in a storm. I remember another storm very well. I was a boy, young teenage boy. I must have been pretty young. I went in the military when I was only 17. So I had to be a young boy. And my dad sent me to bait the trot lines on the opposite side of the Mississippi River that I lived on. Mile wide, me and my little brother in a flat bottom boat with a five horse outboard motor. We crossed that river. I began to bait the trot lines on the opposite side of the river because that's how we made our living. That's what we lived on. Or what we caught, what we killed, we were poor people. I was baiting the trot line, my brother sitting in the back, and I looked up the river, and I saw this tremendous storm building. Looked like a huge squall line from the east to the west. I knew it was bad. And I said to my little brother, his name was Dean. I never called him that. I called him Nody. Nody. I said to Nodi, I'm going to bait until I feel the first wind of that storm. I'm going to drop the trot line. You crank the motor. We're going across the river. I dropped the line. He cranked the motor. And it did not start. I'm talking about storms this morning. What do you do? I'm a skinny teenage boy. I hadn't graduated yet. I weighed 134 pounds when I graduated after I muscled up. Big old 134 pounds. Hmm? Now I had to make a decision. 
Do I stay where I am on that side of the Mississippi River and my parents live on the other side? Do I weather the storm knowing that mom and dad are sure that we drowned in the river? Or do I paddle back across a mile wide raging river? I knelt in the bow of that boat and I began to paddle with all probably 120 pounds at that time. I put the point of that boat at an angle, knowing that the wind was pushing me and knowing that the current was pushing me. I tried to hold it at an angle and I paddled and I paddled and I'd never been in a storm that I knew that I was gonna die at any minute. And I knew my brother was gonna die the waves began to come over the side of the boat. My little brother was bailing them out as fast as he could. We were in a storm, in a hard, bad storm. About three quarters of, across the river, I looked up and I saw my father. I called him dad, but for this message I will call him father. I saw my father standing along the riverbank with his hands high, waving to his boys. And I said to my, in my mind, God, I wished, I wish I had a bridge from here over the rest of the Mississippi to my father who was waiting on the other side. Oh, for a bridge. Oh, for a bridge from my storm to my father. Oh, for a bridge that would take me above the torment of my storm. Storms. There's a lot of storms in life. A lot of storms. Do you think that I know I'm qualified to preach this message? My sister overdosed on prescription drugs and died. The pain that she was going through was more than she could bear. I was in her funeral. My nephew walked out of his house, put a gun to his head, blew his brains out. What kind of a storm he must have been in to make him take his own life. Storms. Tuesday, I got a call from Lafayette, Louisiana. I'm in Mexico, way down in Chiapas, Mexico. I got a call from some very dear, wonderful, close friends that just found a 23-year-old boy outside of his car on the parking lot of a Target store, dead. They think he took his own life. What kind, young people, you want to know why I have you here? What kind of a storm he must have been in? He was fixing to graduate from USL. He was going to go on and get his master's and then go on a higher level and he wanted to work in the Smithsonian Institute. Smithsonian? That's high up. Why? 
would he take his own life? Storms. Storms. There's lots of storms. In the Bible, there was a woman who was taken in the very act of adultery. There's a lot of temptation to our young people. Turn your TV on and you'll see sex slave, all programmed upon sex slave. You're lured in. You're promised a lot. You're brought in. You're subjected to the drugs. You're owned by somebody else. Those who own you and then those whom you serve abuse you. Now she's taken in the act uh, of adultery. She's brought before a council of scribes and Pharisees. Not only was she abused by those who took over her life, abused by those who ser she served, but now she's being abused by religious people. They brought her to Jesus, and they said the law says she's got to die. Stone. Had the stones in their hands ready to cast it upon that young lady. But there was a bridge. Thank God there is a bridge. Young people, regardless as to what position you ever find yourself in, know that there is a bridge from your storm to the Father who waits on the other side of your storm. Hear me, please, hear me. There will be temptation. There will be problems in life. But know, know this. You don't have to take your life. There is a bridge, and it's called Jesus. Jesus himself said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have life everlasting. Let me put it this way. What's your name, young man? Hmm? Tyler? Jesus would say, for God so loved Tyler that he gave his only begotten son that Tyler, Tyler could believe and not die, not die, but have life everlasting. Oh, God, thank God for the bridge that the Father prepared to take you from your storm into the arms of a waiting heavenly Father. The other side of your storm, there is a bridge. The lady, the book of Luke, the book of Mark, both. Picture this. Picture this in your mind. Twelve long years she suffered, had a hemorrhaging problem, went to many doctors. The scripture said they didn't help her, but they hurt her. She suffered, the word said, at the hands of the physicians. What were they doing? Were they bleeding her again for, for, to heal her body? Were they giving us some horrible thing? Whatever it was, it only hurt her according to the words of God. The Bible said she had spent all that she had. 
nothing. You talk about a storm. You, have to, you talk about a storm. She did not have one single thing left after 12 long, miserable years. Spent all that she had and only grew worse. But she had heard. She had heard. She had heard about Jesus. She had heard about the bridge. She had heard about that only begotten son. She had not met him, but she had heard about him. Teenagers, this is why I want you here. I want to tell you about that bridge to tell you how much he loves you, that he will never condemn you for anything that you've ever done or ever will do. He will not condemn you. Even if you reject him on your dying moment, he will still say, I love you. I love you. I love you. Why sit we here in the middle of our storm? The leper said, and die. There is the bridge. And so the lady said, I'd heard about Jesus and made her way through the crowd that was surrounding him coming down the road and touched the hem of his garment and out of Christ came healing and cleansing power and the lady was restored to a beautiful life. Remember that, young people. When your storms grip you, when you feel like there's no way, there's no way out, there's a God that loves you so much that he gave his life for you. There's a way out of every storm that ever comes your way. Matthew 17. I want you, I want you to pay close attention to this. Could you picture me crossing that river in that storm? Could you have a, did you have a, a picture in your mind what it was like? Could, could you see me and my little brother in that storm facing drowning? I want you to picture this in your mind. There's a father who has a son that he loves very much. But his boy cannot control the demon that's inside of him. Don't wait until a demon takes charge of your life. There's a Christ ready for you way before that happens. But the father goes to Jesus and he said, My son oftentimes throws himself into the fire. Imagine a father reaching into the fire to pull your boy out. Oftentimes he falls in the water and the father has to save him from drowning. The father said to Jesus, I took him to your disciples. I took him to your disciples. But they couldn't help. I'll tell you one who can help. I'll tell you about one who can. Jesus said, bring him to me. In Mexico, we have our, our whole works are divided in, in groups, presbyters over all of them. And then men over the presbyters. When there's a problem, they go to their presbyter. 
if he can't handle it, he goes to Carlos, to a, to a, to a board uh, uh, over the Indian people. When they can't handle it, they go to Carlos, the president of our works there. When he can't handle it, he comes to me. When I can't, can't handle it, I go to the bridge. Bring him to me. I go to Jesus. Never has he found a situation that he wasn't total master of it. In the midst of your storm, he's the only one that can speak through the storm and say, peace, be still. And the winds obey his voice. The waves cease to roar at the voice of the one who loves you, Jesus Christ. Never be afraid to take your storm to Jesus. I will prepare to close because I want time to pray. You remember the song, I Will Always Love You? Do you remember that? One of the most beautiful women in the world sang that song. Whitney Houston. I can see her now singing that song, I will always love you. You know why I think she was so good at singing that? Because she knew the one that she really loved, Jesus. She was raised as a little girl, and I think of the Baptist church, but she sang in that church the most angelic voice that I think I've ever heard. I think maybe sometimes in that song, she was lifting up her heart, singing it to her Lord. But she let herself get into a storm that she wasn't big enough to handle. Begins with just a cigarette. And then it's a marijuana cigarette. And then it's amphetamines that you're taking orally. And then it's a needle that you're taking it in your veins. Hundreds and hundreds of teenagers die every day because of the overdose of a cheap drug called heroin. Don't fall for that phony storm. You can't beat it. It's stronger than you. You'll die in that. Know that there's a bridge from that temptation to the Heavenly Father that's waiting on the other side of that temptation. Robin Williams. You remember him? Why did he die? Why? Why sit here in your storm when there's a way out of it? great man, no alcohol, no drugs in his system at the autopsy. But there must have been a vicious storm surrounding his life for him to hang himself and die a young man. This week at the Hampton Hotel I watched the evening news and a newsman reporter that, that covered all Iraq, Afghanistan, and all the wars there, 
43 years old. His name was De Natale. Came home and committed suicide. What kind of storm must have surrounded him to be able to cover the war but not be able to control the storm he was in? Please, please, let me be your pastor right now. Your loving pastors are, are hearing the same message. But let me tell you, don't think for a moment you can beat Satan outside of Christ in your life, outside of that bridge that can get you out of your storm. There is no hope. We can't beat him in our own strength. But I stand not in my own strength. I stand in my Lord who is able, more than able, to bridge me from any storm I will ever face to my heavenly Father who has his arms open wide on the other side of the storm. I want you pastors to come. Will you do that? I want to do something different than I did Saturday night or this morning. I don't want the praying part of this church to come. But I want you, to, every one of you to stand with me now. And I ask you a question again. Why will you sit there in your storm thinking like Whitney Houston that you could overcome it? until you die adults children teenagers there's a way out I invite you if you're man enough Tyler if you're man enough young lady if you're if you're woman enough if you're facing any type of a temptation now if you will come forward and stand here I will ask my wife to be the first one to come stand with you. And then I will ask others of this congregation who love you to come and stand with you. Why fight the storm you're bound to lose without the bridge, Jesus Christ? Sing something, my brother. Will you come? Pray with the first young lady. Congregation, stand. These are your people. These are the ones that did a storm. At least you can stand with them in their storm. Men, pray with these young people. Women, pray with these young people. Would you come? Let them come. Let all the young people come. Let them all come. There is a Jesus that can bridge your storm. You cross over. Come. Will you come? Come on. Be not ashamed. In those last moments of Whitney Houston's life, she would have loved to have someone take her hand, lift her out of that bathtub, restore her life. Please, please don't reject Christ. Please, Pastor, will you come? 
please do not to come up to flying too. If you're an adult, if you have a storm in your life, come on. We're here for you. Christ is here for you. I want our prayer team to come up and just pray with these folks. Let's all, we're just going to begin to worship now. I just want to invite you if you need prayer for anything.